ICDC family and neighbors. Happy Easter. My name is Duke. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's such a special occasion. I put on a shirt with buttons on today. That's how special it is. It is a special occasion, in fact. Even though we're not able to gather together personally, locally, physically, uh, we can gather. We are gathering right now spiritually. And in fact, we're even gathering globally. As together with millions of Christians all around the world, we are joining a global Easter gathering. As this day marks the special celebration of the defining event of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a joy. We want to welcome you, especially if you might be someone who normally doesn't do the church thing, uh, but maybe you found us online or a friend of yours invited you to tune in, or maybe you're someone who is needing special comfort because of these troubling times. If that's you, we want to let you know that we've been praying for you. Our prayer is that God would meet you in a special way in these next few minutes. And now, without further ado, if you've been following along with us throughout Holy Week, we're now entering the fourth and final act of this great drama, Easter Sunday. We're going to begin with our call to worship, which you'll find in your worship guides on page 15. Or you'll also find uh, the words, uh, I think, uh, on the screen in front of you. And if you're able to, let's stand together. The L stands for leader, that'll be my part. The P stands for people, that'll be your part. Let's hear God call us to worship. Hallelujah, Christ is risen together. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Together, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please have a seat and let's pray together. God, thank you for gathering us from different places, united in Christ. Thank you that we can celebrate you, the risen Lord, on this Easter morning. We pray that you would send your spirit and that you would fill our hearts with praise and comfort. Please be pleased with our worship. Receive this time as a glory to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a good day to be singing, and so I'd like to invite you to lift up your hearts and sing, Christ the Lord is risen today because he is risen indeed. Joys and triumphs high. 
reading from Luke 24, 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. My name is Erwin Ince, and I serve as one of the pastors here in our Grace DC network. And it's my joy to be with you virtually uh, for this Resurrection Sunday, where we uh, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, uh, would you join me now in in prayer? Our Lord and our God, we bow before your throne of grace. How grateful we are for those words from your scriptures that were read into our hearing that resurrection day, that early uh, Sunday morning when uh, those faithful women, uh, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and the, the mother of James and the other women went to the tomb and, and heard that wonderful resurrection question. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We give you every praise, honor, and glory because, Lord Jesus, you got up from the grave and have thereby made us as your people, resurrection people ourselves. We give you praise because we know that uh, this world ultimately will be renewed and transformed, that your resurrection is just the first fruits of our resurrection and of the renewal of the whole creation. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that you would, you would bless us to live as, uh, as resurrection people, that you would bless us to live as those who have eyes, Lord, to see and to know the end so that we live today 
not mired, Lord, in despair, although things are indeed challenging and maybe even desperate uh, these days as we are isolated from one another, but that you would not allow a sense of despair to overwhelm us, but that the joy of the Lord would be our strength and our hope um, even now, that you would remind us that uh, even as we are separated from one another physically this morning, we are one never separated from you. Uh, you are a God who will never leave nor forsake us, and we are intimately connected to one another because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are united to one another as brothers and sisters. Bless us to live with this hopefulness, Lord, as we await the time where we can be together again physically. And we do pray, Lord, as well, that you would, you would bless us with ways to bear witness to the truth of being resurrection people in our own communities and our neighborhoods with those who live in our, uh, our communities right next door, across the street and around the corner who we may see as we sit outside or take a walk. Uh, Lord, give us opportunities to demonstrate uh, the love of Christ uh, as people who live in hope. Father, give us grace to do it, not simply even in person, but there are opportunities to do it online as well, to demonstrate um, the love of God in Jesus Christ in the way that we look out for one another. Uh, Father, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. You are our God and our King. Jesus, you are are our Lord who cut up from the dead. You have made us a resurrection people. Father and Son, you have given us of your spirit, the spirit that worked in Christ to raise him from the dead is now at work in us. So Father, Son, and Spirit, give us a renewed sense of hope, power, joy, and love as we strive to live faithfully as your people, loving you with everything and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Do this for your glory, do it for our good, and we bless you in Christ's name, amen. In these days of pestilence and trouble, we are desperate for hope. Every time we see the latest statistics on coronavirus cases and death, looking for any sign that the curve is starting to flatten. Every time we wake up longing for it to be just a less exhausting day than it was the day before. Every time we wonder when we'll finally, finally get to see or embrace that beloved person in our lives. We are yearning for hope. At the least, we're longing for immediate relief. But for many of us, as our jobs, our hearts, even our old sources of security or even identity seem to be just stripped bare, we're looking 
for more. The truth is, we're actually not so different from the people that we find in Luke chapter 24 here. As the story opens, Jesus' followers are just devastated. Their leader, the one that they believed to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, had just been executed, crucified as a criminal. Mary, Joanna, the other women, and Peter are mentioned by name. They were people who gave up everything to follow Jesus. And when he died, so did all of their plans and all of their dreams. What did they have to live for now? But on top of all of that, there was also the constant threat of disease and death. Maybe you didn't know, fast-killing infectious diseases like dysentery, typhoid, tuberculosis, plague, and most especially malaria were the single greatest threat to their lives. Almost half of all people in the Mediterranean world in ancient times died before they even reached the age of five. Astronomically high mortality rates created unimaginable social instability. Not only would outbreaks of disease depress economic productivity, but relationships and social networks would get disrupted just on a regular basis because people would always die. One historian described the ancient Mediterranean world as a place of frequent sudden death. Strangely, in some ways, in these COVID days, our lives have actually simply turned more biblical. Early that Sunday morning, Jesus' followers, like us, were desperately in need of hope. But what is hope? What is it? In the Bible, hope isn't just wishful thinking or just positivity. You know, we're pretty good at that positivity thing. Author Kathleen Norris once wrote, The true religions of America are optimism and denial. Positivity positivity alone, you know, is no match for a pandemic. In these days of pestilence, we really do need more than that, don't we? The Bible actually offers us more than that. Biblical hope isn't hope so, it's no so. True hope is future-looking faith. Hope in the Bible is confidence that God will take care of me tomorrow. Let me say that again. When you have hope, you are able to say, God will take care of me tomorrow. And according to the Christian faith, that confidence, that hope is anchored in the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And our passage shows us three ways that Jesus' resurrection offers us hope, hope that you and I desperately need today. First, the resurrection offers us hope of purpose, hope of purpose. One of the first things that God did when he came to reassure his people of Christ's resurrection 
was that he reassured everyone that this was all part of his plan. So the angel said, remember, remember how he told you, he told you this while he was still in Galilee, that he would not only die, but that after three days he would rise again. And we're told explicitly that people remembered his words. You see, God had the power somehow to direct every event, even every tragedy, every human choice, every historical event, directed towards his purpose of redeeming the world. God funneled all things in the direction of his plan. And he still has that same power even today. Many of you have suffered great loss and the loss of plans. Maybe you're still trying to get your bearings straight. You feel so disoriented. That thing you were going to do this summer, that vocational goal that you'd been planning for years, that relationship that you were pursuing, whatever it might be, this has been a time where many people's long-time dreams have simply been dashed, and it's been devastating. But guess what? The resurrection of Christ promises us that God is still in control. And more than simply being in control, he is still directing all things, events, choices, even diseases, even death itself in the direction of his perfect loving purposes for you and me. The resurrection tells us that nothing can block God's loving purposes for you. God is never frustrated. God is never disappointed. God is never out of ideas about what to do next, never surprised. That even through the tragedy and the ugliness of death, resurrection tells us, God is always working out life. And of course, that doesn't mean that we see exactly what he's doing always. Remember, the disciples didn't know until well after. We won't have that insight maybe until the end of time. But what we can trust even here and now is that God is God. He's the God of resurrection. That God is the one who loves us even in all things, even in our losses. Why these losses? Well, we don't know the answer to that specifically, but we know the answer isn't because God lost control of things. It isn't because he stopped loving you. We know this because of resurrection that follows after cross. Francis Grimke, a pastor down the street about 100 years ago, was a pastor who survived together with his congregation through the influenza pandemic of 1918. And upon reflecting after those events, one of the great words of reflection and insight that he shared with his people were this. While the plague was raging, while thousands were dying, what a comfort it was to feel that we were in the hands of a loving father who was looking out for us, who had given us the great assurance that all things should work together for our good. Do you believe? Do you have resurrection hope 
the hope of purpose. Second, Christ's resurrection offers us the hope of forgiveness. Why did Peter run, in verse 12, run to the tomb? Why did he run and with such eagerness to stoop in, to look inside, to see for himself that Jesus really was alive? Well, it was because just two days earlier, Peter was an utter moral failure. Even against his own wishes, his own plans, he, he actually utterly denied Jesus, uh, publicly said he didn't know Jesus at all, didn't want to be associated with him, lied, pretended, betrayed his best friend, even his Savior. Why? Because of fear. To save his own skin. Because, you know, fear makes cowards of us all. More than that, fear makes selfish people of us all. I wonder, in the midst of this climate of fear, what are the selfish things that have sort of popped out of your heart? Maybe you've even surprised yourself by the sin within, just like I know Peter was surprised by himself. It might be the quick triggered tempers that have flared up in our hearts. Maybe our self-centeredness. Maybe we've promised like Peter did that you'll look out for your neighbor and yet really in your heart, you don't care. You're only looking out for yourself. Self-preservation. In some ways, this crisis has brought out the very best in people, concern for our vulnerable neighbors, the incredible sacrifices of health workers on the front lines. But if we're paying attention closely, we can also see that coronavirus is exposing the selfishness of our hearts. It might even be shattering our illusions about the inherent goodness of human beings, or especially of just me, my goodness. Are you hungry for atonement? Are you seeing your need for forgiveness? God's love for sinners. Guess what? The resurrection of Christ gives us just that. The resurrection was proof that Jesus really did atone for our sins. There are a couple of things in my home that I'm waiting to return at Target. They've shut things down, not able to make any returns, and I'm a little nervous because they're inexpensive items. Sorry, they're expensive items. I need to make sure I'm able to get my money back. And so I'm hanging on to this little paper thing called a receipt. Why? Because to make that return, I need a receipt. Well, what's a receipt? A receipt is proof that I had paid the price in full. Jesus' resurrection was a receipt. It was proof that Jesus paid the debt of our sin before God, that Jesus paid the price for every one of our sins and every act, motive, desire, and thought of selfishness that we ever committed before God. As theologian J.C. Ryle once explained, the resurrection of Christ was the crowning proof that the ransom he paid for sinners was accepted the atonement for sin accomplished. Jesus' resurrection was proof before God and the whole world publicly that the work of atonement for my sin, for your sin, was finished. That God and his justice was fully satisfied. 
Dear friends, because Jesus was raised from the dead, you can know with full assurance, guaranteed, your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. And if you're someone maybe today that's not sure about where you stand with Christ, today is a good day to just drop everything and receive God's forgiveness for all of your sin and selfishness. Maybe you feel like you're being convinced right now in this pandemic of your deep need for God, of the deep selfishness in your heart, of your deep inability to change yourself, to save yourself. I say this with no melodrama. It's simply the facts. More than ever in our lifetimes, we are confronted with the reality that we will not live forever. None of us knows what the next 14 days will bring. So consider it, today is a really good day to get right with God, to give your life to Jesus, to receive his forgiveness, his eternal love, to be secure in his love and to be confident, absolutely confident that in death you'll be forever with God in heaven as he created you to be. Will you consider that today? If you're a professing Christian, will you embrace that promise today, the promise of the forgiveness of all of your sins? And this brings us to the final offer of this passage. Christ's resurrection offers us the hope of resurrection. Now that might sound redundant, it is, because Jesus' resurrection guarantees ours. Christ's resurrection revealed that Jesus had defeated the power of death. He didn't simply return back from death like a resuscitated corpse, uh, liable to dine again one day. No, Jesus passed through death and came out on the other side. On the other side, immortal, indestructible, never dieable ever again. Christ's resurrection showed that he had conquered every evil power and even death itself. It showed that he had conquered disease and everything that afflicts us and threatens to take life away from us. I mean, dear friends, do you know one day coronavirus will be no more? Not just gone for a while, but gone forever. One day goodbyes will be no more. One day losses will be no more because of the resurrection. But there's more one day. Death itself will be no more. The Bible describes Jesus' resurrection as a first fruits, like those little buds of flowers that we're seeing on trees and bushes everywhere throughout our city. What, where you look at it and you can't help but to be encouraged. Why? It tells you spring is coming. Each bud screams and shouts and proclaims to you, more buds are coming. In the same way, when Jesus rose from the dead, he proclaimed to us, more resurrection is coming. A whole harvest of resurrection is coming, namely the resurrection of you and me if we're in Christ. The resurrection of Jesus means that what God did for Jesus in the middle of history, he will one day do for all of us who are in Christ at the end of history. 
Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he will raise our physical bodies just like the raised perfect body of Jesus. And what that means is despite all the fear and anxiety and threat and fragility that we're feeling today, we can hang on to this promise with great assurance of faith and with hope. What is that promise? That if you're in Christ, the coronavirus worst case scenario for you is bodily resurrection one day. This is the hope of Jesus for you. And it is because of the promise of resurrection, this very same promise, that nearly 2,000 years ago, Cyprian, the Bishop of Carthage, was able to say in AD 251, we are learning not to fear death. And do you know what the context of those words were? There was a great pandemic that had broken out the plague in that time. And in the middle of that, at the height of that pandemic, up to 5,000 people a day were dying in the city of Rome alone. And as Cyprian looked out at the way that Christians were living, this very same hope of resurrection, he said, we are learning. We are learning. Are you learning? Are you learning not to fear death? That is hope. You can only talk like that if you believe in the resurrection, not just Jesus's, but even your own. This is resurrection hope. Resurrection hope means being confident that there's nothing, not even global pandemics, that can thwart God's loving purposes for you tomorrow. If your life is in his hands, no one and nothing can ever thwart his plan. Resurrection hope is the confidence that you will one day stand before God on the day of judgment free and forgiven. None of your sins and selfishness will be counted against you because Jesus paid the price for you. His resurrection is the receipt that atonement was indeed made for you. Your sins are forgiven because his love for you and the resurrection is eternal. That's never going to change, no matter what. Resurrection hope means believing Jesus' words in John 11 when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he turned and he said, do you believe this, beloved? Do you believe in the resurrection? Because resurrection hope means the days may be dark, but the darkness is passing. And the sun is already rising. Because we can finally and fully declare with confidence, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you as our risen Savior. We love you for the resurrection hope that you give us. We believe, help our unbelief, fill our hearts, 
and set us free. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. I want to leave you with a final word of blessing, of hope, and this is your benediction, which comes from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Happy Easter again. Great being with you. Have a wonderful day full of the hope of resurrection. Take care, everyone.